Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. And for those of you who love this scripture, which is probably everyone hearing these words right now, we've come to a segment of the scripture in Sefer Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, that at once is fairly easy reading. There's not a lot of theology to it, as you might find in the book of Romans or in the book of Messianic Jews or Hebrews. Uh, there's quite a bit of narrative text that tells a story or recounts a story, but also it's a text that should be very interesting to us because it is a text, when we get to the end of Devarim, of, of Deuteronomy, it's a text that's preparation text for Israel, his, historically or chronologically, about to enter into the land of promise. And last week's Torah portion uh, began with the phrase, when you go out, which is where the name for last week's Torah portion came, which in Hebrew is ki when you go out. And then the, the verse continues in Deuteronomy 21.10, when you go out to battle against your enemies. And that statement presupposes that Israel would face some battles, some enemies, and uh, the word that's also used in the Hebrew language that occurs at this time in Deuteronomy is the Hebrew word milchama, which means war. And this week's portion, which is called Ki Tavo, begins in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1, and it says this, Vehaya, and it shall be, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Last week's portion, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 10, has the phrase, which means when you go out. This week's portion has a, a homonymical type of phrase that says, when you come in. And I think you would agree with me that actions such as going out from a place or entering into a place are part of our everyday lives. Actually, you've used that already. If you arrived here today, you went out from somewhere and you entered into here. And those would be the same Hebrew language words that would be used to describe your, your exit and your entry. say when you go out. Kitavo, when you enter in or when you come in. And Scripture repeatedly talks like this in these type of terms of going out and coming in, going forth from and entering into. There are many examples, but I want to remind you of a very beautiful example that's found in Sefer Tehillim, the book of Psalms, chapter 121, beginning with verse 7 and also verse 8. 
Here it says, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. And the next statement in Tehillim in Psalm 121 is this. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Prior to that in this psalm, there was this Hebrew phrase that some of you know and probably even know it musically. Hine lo yanum velo yishan shome Yisrael. Behold, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. All that said in this, this uh, psalm, Psalm 121, a very beautiful psalm. Now, how does this apply to us, though? Well, by application, God promises that his people, his people, those who are submitted to him, and I hope that's everyone hearing these words today. He promises that his people, those that are really submitted to him, they can count on his faithfulness, that he's faithful. How many of you know that he's faithful? He's absolutely faithful. Uh, I know where, where the rubber meets the road is our faithfulness. Are we faithful? But he's faithful, and we can count on his faithfulness in our daily lives. And I dare say that if I went around this auditorium today and asked you how God has been faithful to you, that many of you could almost immediately tell me something or tell us something that exhibited to you, at least to your understanding, the faithfulness of God. And frankly, we really shouldn't have to look very far when we think of the faithfulness of God. I mean, uh, we're well fed. <laughs> Let me say it a different way. Americans are well fed. <laughs> Generally well clothed, <laughs> etc. And we can say also, and maybe this is the most important of all, you as a believer, as someone that's submitted to the Lord, you are well loved by the Lord. You are well loved. He loves you. So while last week's portion, the parashah, began with the idea of going out to battle, a common idea, by the way, at the end of Deuteronomy, because it was preparation for what was about to come upon Israel as they crossed the Jordan River and entered into the land of Canaan. So as last week's portion began with the idea of going to battle, and this week's portion begins with the idea of entering to the land that the Lord gave to them, or to state it another way, we could say that we see the principle of God's intervention on both the uh, time of struggle in our life and also when we're entering in, entering into the promises of God, entering into all he called us to be and to do. And that was what lied ahead for Israel as we segue from the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy, go into the book of Joshua, we begin to see the battle. You remember the old song, Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho? How, do you know, how many of you know that song? Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Well, that just lies ahead for Israel. Moshe would be buried by the Lord and Joshua would end up being the leader and we have the book of Joshua that we look at and we can learn what happens afterwards. But God prepared Israel for the times of battle that, that would lie ahead of them as they entered into Canaan, and they faced battles. He didn't want them to forget, though, 
even as he said that they were going to enter into the land of promise, the land of Canaan, he didn't want them to forget his promises because sometimes in the midst of a battle or a struggle, we can forget some of the good promises of God, some of his uh, benefits that he extends to us. We can get caught up, so to say, in the fray, the daily fray of life, and lose sight of what lies ahead of us in the Lord. How many of you have had that happen to you? You got so caught up in daily life that you lost sight of all the good plan and purpose God has for you. In fact, it's a truism for those who love the Lord that he's mindful of you. And it's a truism that the Lord has good things stored up for you. That he has good plans for your life. That he really does have your best interest in mind in relationship to his kingdom That's true. And we should hold this ideal, this idea of God's goodness, his faithfulness, even when we're in the middle of the fray, in the middle of the battle, knowing that as we struggle, his promises are still there for us. They can help us and and, and draw us forward to keep pressing on with the Lord. Jeremiah, speaking to Israel, the prophet Jeremiah, he summarized, I think, this ideal of God's good plan and his promises in a way that has been repeated now for centuries. Some of us have these very words of Jeremiah on a plaque at our home. I know I'm one of the summer ones. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, you may even have this memorized. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. When I hear the word hopeless used, and I've heard it much more in our society than I had ever cared to hear it, the word hopeless, I just want to step back and say, no, no, there's always hope because he is the God of hope. And if we'll call out to him, there's hope. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, as he addressed Israel through Jeremiah, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And I think those good things the Lord had for his people, they were symbolized in essence by the statement we find in this week's parashah, this week's Torah portion, that the Lord was bringing them to the land that he gave them, the land the Lord your God has given you, that is the land of Canaan. And even in some of the traditional songs of the faith, going back centuries, Canaan land was emblematic of entering into something good and glorious. It was also a place of battle, Canaan land. So Israel and those that were connected with Israel at the time of Moses, as we come to the end of Deuteronomy, this group of people connected to Israel, Israel and those connected to Israel, were reminded by the Lord that there was a great, the Hebrew word is nachala. You want to try to say that? Let's say that together. Nachala. One more time. Nachala. A great inheritance, a nachala. That word nachala is repeated continuously in the book of Deuteronomy. Yes, the word milchama, war, battle shows up. Yes, the word oyavim, which means enemy, shows up. But also that word nachala is right there in all its glory. 
that the Lord had a good nachala, a good inheritance set up for the children of Israel. And I don't think we really catch how important that was for them at this time. Forty years, as we enter the uh, last segment of the book of Deuteronomy, we're coming to the close of 40 years of wilderness wandering. Forty years of tenting out. Forty years of issues within the community. Forty years, dare I say, of kvetching and complaining. Forty years, and you can fill in the blanks, of all else that happened during those 40 years of rebellious people rising up. Forty years of, of seeing enemies approaching you. And 40 years of manna and 40 years of the pillar and the cloud. Forty years. And Canaan came emblematic of those good promises of God. And God kept telling Israel, I have a nachala, a nachala, an inheritance for you, and it includes the land. And I still believe that that nachala does belong to the Jewish people today. The land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. Why? Not because I say it up here. <laughs> You're right. It's because of what he says. <laughs> Because of what he says, that's the land of promise, as we know it, the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, however you want to describe it, Zion, however you want to describe it. So, yes, they would face battles. They would face struggles. And as they entered into that place of promise, it was expected and God was preparing them for that possibility actually became an eventuality. What he said came to pass. You're going to cross over. You're going to have some struggles and issues. And to me, that just sounds like real life. Modern, everyday life. You know, we have struggles at times in our own lives. Maybe even this morning you had a struggle. But my point today, one of the points I want to share with you is even in the midst of your struggle, please do not lose sight of the good promises of God bequeathed to you. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and forward says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Yeshua our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. What kind of promises? Exceedingly great and precious promises. Do you hold the promises of God that he's made to you as a follower of Yeshua? Do you hold them as precious in your life? So that when you're in the middle of a struggle, you can grab hold and hold on to those. You know they're precious. They're exceedingly great and precious promises, as the New King James says it. That through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And also 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God in him are can, yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. 
In Sefer Devarim, in the book of Deuteronomy, if you've been reading it or if you're familiar with that text, obedience to the Lord links to the promises of God. If you read the parasha this week, you realize that the Lord said through Moses, through Moshe, he said, if you obey, blessing comes to you. Now, if you read the portion, you know what I'm going to say next. The antithetical statement to that. If you do not obey, no blessing. You're going to lack the blessing. It's going to be increasingly worse for you. And I suggest to you, if you aren't reading this section of Deuteronomy, to tap into that because that is what it says. And not only does it say it once, but it continually repeats that concept as if the Lord's trying to instill into them as you enter into the land that I'm giving to you, your nachala, your inheritance, you're going to want to obey what I say to you. If you'll do that, there will be blessing upon your life. And then there's the warning part of it. If you will not obey me, the Lord says, <laughs> you're going to have some issues. It's been noted in this, this section of Deuteronomy that there are so many passages of Scripture that talk about blessing and so many more that talk about the opposite of the blessing. The, the text, the English text, uses the word cursed. And we need to escape from the idea of Hollywood and the curse. And, and look at blessing, as I've mentioned before. Look at blessing as one standard. And when a person is on the other side, that's a lack of blessing or a decreasing blessing. And it was Moses in his time. So it is with us in our time. Living in obedience to the Lord and pleasing the Lord following the Holy Spirit, yielding to the Holy Spirit, as we say in New Covenant terminology, is really an issue that can come and cause struggle for us. Have you ever been challenged as you tried to follow the Lord and walk by His Spirit? I have. Well, you have some issues that pop up, don't you? We call it the flesh. Fleshly pursuits versus the, the, the pursuit of the Spirit or following the Spirit, that pops up. But doing so, doing what God says, holds great promise for us, great reward. How many like a good reward? <laughs> great reward, a reward with many benefits that accrues onto us, that's given onto us. And not only benefits in the here and now, but also into eternity. And even as many of the passages of Scripture speak of the blessings that are reserved for those who obey the Lord. There are many passages of Scripture also that refer to struggle. Struggle that comes to God's people as they seek to obey the Lord. In Luke chapter 13, beginning with verse 23, we read, Then one said to him, one said to Yeshua, Lord, are there few who are saved? How many of you think that's a good question? I do. That person that was saying that was thinking well beyond the, the circumstance there. He's thinking well beyond that. Lord, are there few who are saved? And probably was thinking, I hope I'm part of that group. <laughs> Lord, are there few who are saved? And Yeshua said to them, 
Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us, and he will answer and say, I do not know you where you are from. And the text continues from there. This says a lot, this text, but I want to just leave you one idea about this text. Please don't take the grace of God for granted. He said the first thing, it's one of the new covenant commandments, it says strive, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Are you really in your life trying to enter into that narrow gate, keeping that narrow way in your life? Because there comes this time when that door shuts and it's over with. (laughs) Do I understand all that? No, and probably you don't either. But that's a determined time where God says it's done. You've had your chance. And now is the time of repentance for us. We head towards the high holy days. The emphasis of the high holy days is invariably teshuvah, repentance. Kapara, atonement. As we head into those times, we need to make sure that every day to us is, is, is a day in which we realize we need to strive to enter through that narrow gate. I found that there are many, many who would lead us another direction. There are many who would pat us on the back and say, you're okay, just keep doing, you know, keep doing the sinful things you're doing, you're Okay. And I've even met some personally who have said, well, I'm just going to wait to the very last minute and then I'll repent and I'll get saved. That is a terrible thought to me. How many agree with that? That's not the way to do it. First of all, our next breath is not even promised to us. The next day isn't promised to us. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to turn your heart to the Lord. Because once that door shuts, that door is shut. And when God shuts the door, no man can open it. In the same way, when he opens the door, such as open now to all the nations of this earth to repent and believe on the Lord Yeshua and receive him as their personal Lord and Savior, when he does that, that door's open. But when will it shut? Well, it will be the last moment. I wouldn't want to be that person, and I have met them more than one, as I was referring to previously, that said, well, I'll just wait to the last minute when I'm on my deathbed, and I'll repent. And I'm going to outsmart God, because I'll get to do all the stuff that my flesh wants, but then I'll enter into the kingdom. Let me say this, and I'm going to quote scripture. We don't have it. It's from Galatians. But this is a statement by the Apostle Paul. He said, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a person sows, that person will reap. So now's the time to sow repentance, and you will reap the reward of repentance in your life. Now's our time to do that. So as we near the fall feast, as I've already alluded to, we can and we should look to our Messiah for his help. He's an ever-present help in time of need.
And I'm convinced, frankly, that no one knows us like the Messiah knows us. Even after being married all these years, and some of you have been married longer than I have, there's still no one that knows us like the Messiah knows us. There's no, there's no one that knows you better than the Lord Yeshua. You know, every hair on your head is counted. <laughs> there's not a sparrow that falls down that he's not aware of it. And, you know, the hair on the head thing, I always laugh about that because for some that's a little easier task than for others to count them. But he has everyone counted. He knows, and we should be thankful that Yeshua, blessed be his name, Yeshua not only loves you today and loves us today, we should be thankful for that, but please hear this, he also understands you. <laughs> not only does he understand you, he understands your plight he understands your circumstances. He understands your struggles. He understands everything about your workplace. He understands you and all that pertains to you. And yet he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He has his arms outstretched for this generation, waiting and when will that door close? When will he appear in great glory and that door closes? But he knows us. He knows us not only because of his deity, but he knows us because, you know what? He took on flesh and blood like we have. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, and I love this subheading my Bible has for this. I'm going to read it to you. What was inscribed in my Bible, the subheading, it says this, quote, our compassionate high priest, end quote. Now, the word compassionate rings out to me. I'm glad it doesn't say our vengeful high priest. Doesn't say our cruel high priest doesn't say our uncaring high priest, doesn't say our terrible high priest. It says, and I think it's a right characterization of this passage, it says our compassionate high priest. And whatever you're going through now, the Lord has compassion on you. Read Psalm 103. He's mindful of our frames. He knows that we're but dust. The Lord has compassion upon you. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Yeshua the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with what? With our weaknesses. Do you have weaknesses in your life? Can I put two hands up for all of mine? And toes and everything. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, and underline the next three words, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you think my Bible had it right when it said our compassionate high priest as a heading for this section? I think so. Now, as we near Yom Teruah, commonly called Rosh Hashanah, 
there may be some unresolved issues in your life. There may be some unresolved issues in your life that you need reconciling or getting them right before God. Perhaps you need an extra measure of the Ruach, the Spirit of God. You need an extra measure deep inside. He said, ask, and he'll give you of his spirit. Maybe that's what you need so that you can keep pressing into all that God really has for you. You can enter your Canaan, that place of promise that he has for you, that place of calling on your life, and please don't look at me and say, no, I'm not called. Yes, you are called. At the very least, you're called to serve him, and that may be the very greatest to be a servant of the Most High God. And even the apostles, they were not exempt from struggles. They were not exempt from trials. They were not exempt from persecutions. They were not exempt from challenges. And a very, I think, illuminating passage and, and very, how would I say it, revealing passage. Rapshaw, Paul the Apostle, wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, and he said this, Timothy, but you have carefully followed my teaching, my doctrine. You have carefully followed my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions. How much farther do I need to go? <laughs> afflictions, which happened to me. At, and then he starts listing places as if one wasn't Dianu enough for us. He starts listing places, Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Out of them all. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Messiah Yeshua will suffer persecution. And then it warns in verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. I almost feel like that's readily noticeable now. Evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And then verse 15, and that from childhood, Timothy, you have known what? The Scriptures. You have a great tool at your convenience, at your availability, and that is the Scriptures. There shouldn't be a Bible among us that has dust on it. And there shouldn't be knees that don't have some kind of a mark on them from us bowing our knees and our hearts before the living God. That from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures and then it describes and says which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Messiah Yeshua. So in conclusion here today, with the month of Elul coming to an end and we enter into the month of Tishri in the Hebrew calendar. We'll speak about this on Tuesday, the God's calendar on Tuesday night Bible study. And Yom Teruah being the very first day of the seventh calendar month of Tishri. I want to share in conclusion five thoughts. Five thoughts which I hope in the Lord will help prepare us spiritually for the high holy days and also beyond. Example, for example, here's, I'll call it help number one. Here's help number one. 
Do all you can. Do all you can to have right relationships with those around you. Do all you can. Matthew chapter 5, the words of Yeshua in verse 21. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry. Now, there's some that would love to change that word and say, whoever is hungry, you know, something like that. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, raka, which is an Aramaic word meaning empty head, and many of your Bibles will verify that. And whoever says to his brother, raka, you don't have anything up here, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be what? In danger of Gehenna, hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver, deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. And by the way, living with anger as a root in our lives, living with bitterness, living with hatred is a type of prison. We are imprisoned by those things. They lord it over us and they begin to control those type of things. The antidote is look to the Lord and forgive. Forgive. Whatever it is, forgive it. Assuredly, I say to you, Yeshua continued, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Until you get this right, you're still going to have your toe in the prison. So let's keep also our relationships pure in the Lord. We're still on help number one. If you are in an immoral relationship, immoral as God defines immorality, the society doesn't know about morality now. But if you're in an immoral relationship as God defines immoral relationship with people or with your computer, did you hear me? Get it right now. Get away from this stuff. There's judgment there. God is not pleased with that. Get it right now. Get it right today before God. And many people have relationships with their computers now that are extremely unholy, including pastors, messianic rabbis, etc. There's no pointing the finger here. Stop the immoral relationship with your computer. Make sure whatever you're looking up on the computer is pure, it's holy, it's the right thing to look up. No secret lives, by the way. Make necessary changes if your attitude and actions towards others are contrary to the workings of the Holy Spirit. Change, make changes. Do what you need to. Help number two, and there's much more to say about one. Help number two as we prepare for the high holy days. Live kingdom worthy. Have goals, aspirations, and inclinations in your life that are kingdom worthy. They're worthy of the kingdom. 
Tehillim Psalm 119 verse 36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and receive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant, verse 38 says, who is devoted, who is devoted to reverencing you, to fearing you. We can aspire to many things in our lives. I've known some real doozies of folks there, folks that I grew up with that their aspirations were so far bad. Let's, just, let's have kingdom-worthy aspirations and goals. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Messiah Yeshua. Is he the very foundation of your life, of your daily life, of your thoughts, of ours? Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive what? A reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fires. Help number three, and again, I'll repeat what I said for number one. There's much more to say about help number two. Help number three is just two words. Create distance. Friends, distance yourselves from the muck and the mire of worldliness. From worldliness and sin, distance yourself. That sin that so easily besets you, distance yourself from it. Take steps away from it, not towards it. By doing so, as we do so, we'll be freed up to follow God's will. You know, you can't serve two masters. How many have heard that in the Bible before? You can't serve two masters. Do you think Yeshua was wrong when he said that? He was absolutely correct. You cannot serve two. We can't do it. We'll be divided in our devotion, and the Lord says, you shall love me, and we should know this as a congregation with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So distance yourself from the worldliness and the sin that so easily besets you. If you don't, you'll just be spinning your wheel, so to say, going nowhere spiritually. Accomplishing little of kingdom value, you will have a hay, wood, and stubble life that will not pass the test that God speaks of. But God's desire for you as a child of God, as a child of God through faith in Messiah Yeshua, is better than merely having a hay, wood, and stubble existence. It's much better. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Therefore, we also, beginning with verse 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Yeshua, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, as I said for number one and number two, I say for number three, there's much more to say about this.
So here's help number four of five. Stay alert. And I'm not talking about right now in this service. <laughs> Stay alert. Be attentive. Be attentive to the call of God on your life. Are you attentive to his call? Do you even have ears to hear him call you, to commission you, to give you a task? Are you even open to that? And I know we do a lot of, uh, you know, sorting it out. Well, Lord, I accept this one. I don't accept your call on that. We do a lot of that. We like the easier ones. We're a little more challenged with the sacrificial ones. But be attentive to the call of God in your life by getting actively involved. Being a believer is not really a spectator sport. Being a believer in Messiah Yeshua is being part of his mishpacha, part of his spiritual family, being connected to the body. And as we know, even in our physical bodies, every single part of our body has some type of function. Well, you're part of the body Messiah, and you have some type of function. Learn what it is. Press into it. Do all you can. Be part of the mishpacha. Get involved. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For the time will come... When they will not endure sound teaching, sound doctrine. But then there's this statement right afterwards. On one hand, they won't endure sound teaching, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from what? The truth. And when you turn away from the truth, what is left for you? Nothing but fables and folly. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, but you be watchful, stay alert, be alert in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And I like how the complete Jewish Bible version says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, let me read it to you. It says, that, but you remain steady in every situation. Endure suffering, do the work that a proclaimer of the good news should and do everything your service to God requires, end quote. As you seek him, friends, as you seek him, his call will come forth in your life as you seek him. He'll make you enter into his call. He'll help you and guide you into it. And most of all, he's called you to love him and be his servant. How many agree that's the highest call we can have? It's a privilege. It's an honor to do that now I want to conclude with help number five again as I said with number one two and three I'll say with number four help number four there is much more to be said about it help number five and this one probably excites me more than any foster ruach dependency ruach is the word for the spirit of God foster dependency upon the Spirit of God. Foster it. Seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit in all you do. Do you really ask the Lord to guide you, or do you just do? Seek Him. I think that involves getting on your face. That's what it involves for me. Getting on your knees, yielding yourself, giving yourself to Him daily. Say, what do you want me to do, Lord? What would you have me say? I think it involves that. Please don't let self-will be your primary motivator in life. What pleases you, is that going to be your primary motivator in life? 
Another way to call that type of living is hay, wood, and stubble living. Let him be the one who motivates your goings out and your comings in. Let him be the one that does that. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Complete Jewish Bible again, the very same verse. What I'm saying is this, run your lives by the spirit. Galatians 5.25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Again, complete Jewish Bible version, which many of you use. It says, let it also be through the Spirit that we order our lives day by day. Let me say that again. Let it also be through the Spirit that we order our lives day by day. So then, rather than leaning on our own understanding, why not let the Lord guide you? Why not foster dependency upon the Ruach? Learn to do that, to look to him first, acknowledge him first, go to him first. Who knows what he will bring you to? He'll bring you deeper and deeper into what pleases him and what your calling is. Now, I have one last scripture as a conclusion, and I want to leave this exhortation with you because it comes from Yeshua. And it was at the very end of his, as he was heading towards or going towards and nearing the point of Gethsemane. When he was nearing the point of his greatest sufferings, and he already knew that the one who betrayed him was there among him, Passover's there. And in Yohanan, John chapter 15, verse 9, I leave you with this scripture. Yeshua said this to those who were listening to him in that time. And are we listening to him now in our generation? He said this to those who were listening. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. And then there's this new covenant command. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, John chapter 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. This preponderance of getting or wanting the disciples to obey is very Torah-based. It's right in the middle of our Torah portions right now. If you obey, you will be blessed. If you obey, you will be blessed. And Yeshua seemed to be saying the same thing. If you obey, you really show that you love me, he says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you this day. We thank you for the generation we live in. We thank you, Lord, for the trials that sometimes come to our life. We thank you, Lord, for the more than conquerors you have made us through your son, Yeshua. And Lord, I pray for each individual here each person hearing these words, Lord, that you will help all of us, that in this generation we would be faithful servants. Help us to be involved. Help us, O oh Lord, to be alert. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to truly walk in your love just as you have loved us. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your compassion. 
in Yeshua's name. Amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.